Amen. Once again, good morning, church. What a joy to be with you worshiping our God. Our second reading is from 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. You can find this in the Pew Bibles on page 330 and in your bulletin. Hear the words of God. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments and his rules, in his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and whatever you turn, that the Lord may establish his words that he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack men on the throne of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. A common practice we have with our children, our grandchildren, to share, is to share our past experiences in life. Sometimes when I want to encourage my kids, I just open my invisible book of stories and start to share some good stories. Last month, when I was about to share one more story, Nicole, my second daughter, she's 11, she said, Okay, Dad, we already know that you had a hard life. But what do we want to communicate to our kids when we share our life stories with them? We want to share wisdom. And give them the opportunity to learn from our trials, victories, and mainly from our mistakes. In this last message on the covenant family, I'd like to observe with you the life of one of the main characters of the Bible and find the supremacy of grace in the seasons of life. I'm talking about King David. His, his history is recorded in over 60 chapters of scripture. There are about 60 references to him in the New Testament. To this day, he is remembered as the greatest king of Israel. And twice in the Bible, he is called a man after God's own heart. We note that David was not just a shepherd who became a warrior and later a king of Israel. He was also a great musician. He wrote 70 psalms and he played the harp very well. But I'd like to share with you mainly how the grace of God was manifested in his family life in a way that encourages us to keep moving forward, serving the Lord. David, like Jacob, Moses, Joshua, and Samuel, was privileged to give the last speech before his death. 
something that many people don't have. All these men of God point to a transition from one era to another, as well as the transfer of authority to the next leader. King David, after 40 years of reigning over Israel, realized that his days were coming to an end and his, he calls his son Solomon to give words of encouragement, guidance, and mainly remember or remind him about the Lord's covenant. It was a moment of reflection and reaffirmation of the covenant of God. And I would like to understand with you all of how the wonderful grace of God was the mainstay of David's whole life and in a very, in a very special way of his family life. As we live in a broken world, we face dilemmas, conflicts, frictions, and sometimes losses within our nuclear family. How many times have we heard someone close say, I thought this could happen to anyone but me. Family problems are manifest in the lives of just and unjust, the wise and the ignorant, and the poor and the rich at different times and seasons of life. However, as we take a look at David's family history, we are comforted and encouraged to see how the grace of God sustained these men in different times of life. And in this last message on the covenant family, I'd like to share about the supremacy of grace in our family lives. First, while we serve the Lord as a single person. First, when we serve the Lord as singles. As I said here a few weeks ago, it is true that many parents project their frustration onto their children. That is, they throw a huge load of responsibility and expectation on their children to conquer everything they never conquered. Certainly, this was not the case for David. We realize that when God commands the prophet Samuel to go to Jesse's house to anoint the new king of Israel, David was not there. He was not present. Why was David not present with other sons of Jesse? Once it was common practice that at times of family sacrifice, especially the sacrifice of atonement, all the children should be together with their parents. We implicitly perceive that Jesse did not imagine or cherish in his heart high expectations for the future of the young shepherd David. Jesse looked to the natural beauty and skills of his other sons, and so did Samuel. When he reasoned in his heart, Samuel went to anoint the new king. And the Bible passage says, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the high of his stature. 
Because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. And we know after Jesse presents all his children. None of them was chosen. Jesse didn't remember David. Or didn't consider him capable. The meritocratic people would say that David lost his big break in a lifetime opportunity. You know the saying. Out of sight, out of mind. He was not there. So he would lose an important opportunity. Because his father didn't remember him. But it's not like that with our God. And we keep reading First Samuel chapter 16. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. In the days of the Babylon captivity, Israel received the worst prognosis from the pessimistic people. Or as they like to be called, the realistic people. Saying that they would never return to the promised land. Never. There is no way. It's not possible. But then the Lord said through Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. How many people are stuck with wounds that were opened in the past by their parents' negative words? Or even contemptuous attitudes. But grace is supreme at this stage of David's life. By revealing this huge future. Not restricted to the expectation or positive words. That he didn't receive from his parents. However. The grace of God in the sovereign choosing of David. As the future king. Would not be synonymous with an easy path. The Lord had wonderful plans regardless his family background or the words of encouragement. But great plans was not synonymous of easy path. Before become a king, David had much to learn. And for that God providentially placed him inside Saul's palace. You remember... The king was being disturbed by a demon. And for that reason, David faced several injustices and persecutions by the demonized, insecure king. But the grace of God gave David the opportunity to live with a lost king who didn't know how to take care of the nation and also of his own family. This was a unique opportunity for the future king of Israel to learn from 
other people's mistake. So we can see the grace of God clearly in David's life, bringing him opportunities that he would never achieve by his family background, but also hard times that would give him a necessary learning to be the man the Lord was willing. Some practical considerations. Our parents' words of encouragement are extremely important and can often be God's instruments for us to move forward. However, what will always be decisive is the plan that God laid out for each of us before the foundation of the world. Therefore, it is not the good words of our parents or the lack of them that will make us an ideal someone in the future. But only the plan of the one who loved us is still formless in our mother's wombs. The Lord has a special plan for each of his child. Similarly, God's grace gives us the opportunity to live with other more experienced people. Mainly for the singles that we have here. It's a blessing. In addition to appreciating their gifts and virtues, we can learn from their mistakes. So, instead of criticizing in a cruel and merciless way, we should seek wisdom. If we see many things that would be different, the Lord is giving us opportunity to learn from their mistakes and let's do that with humble hearts because our time will come that we will face the same challenges they are facing right now. And we need to remember that in order, of to, in order that we will not, not replicate their mistakes. So David tasted the grace of God as single and as we can taste. But secondly... We can find the grace of God while we are married. And we move to Second Samuel chapter 11. And when we look at the next season of David's life with him already married, with sons and daughters, in chapter 11 of Second Samuel, we come across David's moments of greatest prosperity. By now, he had six. He had children with six women. Can you imagine that? When we have children with only one wife, sometimes it's harder to manage how they fight each other all day long and manage with our wife. The problems, imagine children with six different women in the same palace would be a nightmare. He had the Ark of the Covenant. Finally, in Jerusalem, the Lord prospered him in everything he did. It was exactly at that moment that David stopped prioritizing the fear of the Lord that had led him to prosperity. It is at this point that he commits the terrible sin of adultery with Bathsheba and plot to Raya's death. What a sad moment. 
The moment of greatest prosperity was the moment that they forgot the fear of the Lord. Nonetheless, the grace of God is manifested by not allowing David to remain fallen. How many householders make their mistakes and die in bitterness and hiding in them? After committing adultery and receiving the news of Bathsheba's pregnancy, David coldly tries to assemble an alibi to extricate himself from the guilt of adultery, ruthlessly plotting the death of one of the most loyal commanders he had. Wow. Even with the gravity of the sin committed, the narrative shows us that David did not repent immediately. It took nine months. Nine long months. But in Second Samuel chapter 12 verse 1 says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him. So God uses the prophet Nathan to show him the gravity of his sin through a parable. The word of the Lord met the hardened and unfeeling David. Even though the grace was manifested through the Lord's discipline. The grace of God was clear through a correction in a moment of hardship. The Bible states in Hebrews that the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. And when you observe in chapter 13 of Second Samuel, the family catastrophe begins to unfold among David's children. Sins bring consequences. But the consequences were also a clear proof of the grace of God, restoring the fear of the Lord in the king's heart. Amnon rapes his half-sister Tamar, a crime deserving of death penalty in Israel. David did absolutely nothing. Absalom outraged the rape of his sister two years after Tamar's abuse kills Amnon. For a moment, try to put yourself in David's shoes. Imagine what a sad reality. I know all of us face problems in our families and things that can make us really, really sorry. But imagine this background. To make matters worse, worse, Absalom flees to Talmai and then to Gesur, where he stayed for three years. After that, Absalom returns to Jerusalem and starts a conspiracy to take his father's throne. And he succeeds in forcing King David to flee Jerusalem. But, but his family problems were not over. You know, Absalom find his father's wives in Jerusalem. And then he has sexual relations with them. Until David's army prevails over Absalom and kills him. 
What a sad story. How many problems. If David's story ended here, we could place him as one of the most failed men in family history. For sure. But what was the grace of God in these troubled times? The grace of God was working with all things together to restore the fear of the Lord in his heart. Even as experts in the words of God, sometimes we allow some things not only to enter our lives, but to take up residence within our homes. Not necessarily adultery, but sometimes resentment, lying, and dishonesty. There are a variety of sins that are directly harmful to the family. However, our gracious God will always send his words to correct us, to confront us, and to restore our faith. First, material prosperity is dangerous. It's a dangerous condition with lose sight of the fear of the Lord. Maybe we have more comfort today than when we, we were a single person. Probably. But we need to keep the fear of the Lord in our hearts. Let us allow the word of God to search our hearts and confront any sin that became a common habit in our lives. It is important to remember that not every rebellion or catastrophe manifested in our family is a consequence of sin. However, we cannot ignore that suffering can be a direct consequence of our sins or the sins of our parents. Instead, to give our hearts to guilty and bitterness, we need to remember that for godly grief produce a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Sometimes the grace of God allows us to suffer, grieve, cry. Because he's building something more precious in our hearts. The image of Christ. And finally... The grace of God remains available until the last days of our lives. Not just as a single person or as a married person when we face many trials and problems, but also in the last days of our lives. Probably Solomon grew up listening in the halls of the palace about how his father's relationship with his mother Bathsheba began. Can you imagine? Children from different mothers and wives gossiping among themselves and saying probably about Solomon, hey, you see the bastard? You see the son of the prostitute? Maybe many bad and terrible things, but not just that. He witnessed all the chaos with his siblings inside his own home. A brother killing another brother. What a horrible environment Solomon grew up. 
But he also was able to hear the words of his own father when he prayed in the Psalm 32. And you know his prayer, saying, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Yes, Solomon saw many horrible things in his family background. Many mistakes from David. But Solomon could also see God's gracious salvation and forgiveness manifested in his own father's life when David put his faith in the promise of redemption from the Lord. David's hope and faith was in the Lord alone, not in his good deeds. Consequently, Solomon discovered that salvation was by grace, through faith, and came to believe. So we return to the text of our second reading, where David admonished Solomon to have courage and to be a man. Are you serious? David, with all the horrible things he did, all the bad examples, yes, David, he admonished to behave, Solomon, to behave like a man. Even knowing that at times he lacked courage and did not behave like a man of God. But this is one of the most powerful truths of Christianity. We are justified by faith in the saving work of Christ at the Calvary. As Paul clearly said, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The justification of God upon David and everyone who believes is not just a forgiveness of sin. But it includes a positive declaration of righteousness based upon the perfect obedience of Christ. This is why we are called the righteous of the Lord. Because Christ's righteousness was credited in our account in the time that we trusted in his death. With all our hearts. And this is explicitly when the Lord chose who? Solomon. 
son of Bathsheba to replace David in his throne. According to the law, Adonijah was to be the successor since he was born after Absalom. Absalom was dead. But God's grace chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not. To bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is grace. Manifested in David's life. Even after his mistakes. Given words of encouragement to his son. Who would replace the son who was born from a marriage that started in a wrong way. But through a sincere confession, David achieved God's grace and forgiveness. Some final considerations. If we made bad choice in our past and sinned against our family, let's not allow the shame or pride to inhibit us from going to them and sincerely asking for forgiveness. But before that, we need to be sure that we repented, confessed our sins, and take hold of Christ's righteousness. Be right with God first. But don't let that be a forever excuse to not go and seek forgiveness. All of us have said stories regarding our families. Search your heart. Pray to the Lord. Asking for his forgiveness. And go. Go and seek restoration. Maybe the Lord will use you. And your behavior as a way of redemption. In your family's life. Do not lose hope that even before our mistakes. The Lord Jesus is able to do great things. In the lives of our children. Grandchildren. Spouse. And any other relative, it is the grace of God that remains upon the covenant family. Let's trust, not in the mighty of our arm, neither in our good deeds, but in Christ and Christ alone. At the beginning of this message, I mentioned how we like to share our stories with our children and encourage them. The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1 it starts with a family story. The story of David. And we find a, a large list of names. And guess what? Among them, you will find the names of Bathsheba and Solomon. And from them, the Holy Son of God descended and came to save us through His grace. If you have faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone, you can rejoice today. Because your name is already present in a family list. And I'm not talking about the Morrisons, the Bruce's, the Belinskis, or the Haynes. But 
your name is in the list of the covenant family, the family of God. Our names are written in the king's book of life regardless of what we went through during our earthly journey. And nobody can erase your name from there. If we fall, our Redeemer, through His grace, will just take us, heal the wounds, and put us back on His path. Let us pray, pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise You. We praise You for Your grace. This is the reason that we are here. You know our condition. You know our family background. You know the good moments and mainly all the bad moments that we face. But by your grace, Lord, we are here in your presence. And there are many, many of our relatives that we would love to have them worshiping you together. But we trust in your work, Lord Jesus. We trust in your covenant. We trust that you start a great work in our lives and family. And we confess that sometimes we made wrong choices. We confess that sometimes we didn't treat our spouse, children, or grandchildren in the godly way. But as David Run to you, Lord, so we do right now. Asking your forgiveness and asking that the righteousness of Christ cover our sins and give us peace and give us also authority to go to them. Asking for forgiveness and present the grace of God through our lives and in our families. Heavenly Father, bless Every single family represented here and bring salvation, bring transformation through the power of the cross. We pray with gratitude in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.